Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to 12 Stone. So glad that you're with us this weekend. Now, let me, let me start here. It's three, four years ago, before everything shut down, my wife and I decided... We wanted to do something special for our kids and surprise them with a weekend downtown in Atlanta. And so we went on one of the hotel booking sites and looked up some pictures, and we found a decent hotel, two beds, pull-out couch, plenty of space. It's going to be great. And most importantly, it was in the winter months, and they had an indoor pool. So my kids were, like, going to be stoked about this. We planned the whole thing out. We, we drove down. I think it was probably a Friday afternoon, drove down, and got down into the city, fought all the traffic, Lost my salvation, found it again, got into the city, and uh, checked into the hotel. And when we walked into the lobby, it was obvious that the pictures we saw on the hotel booking site were taken a decade plus earlier and not refreshed. The hotel wasn't in great shape, but my wife and I aren't super bougie, so we're like, it's going to be okay. The kids are going to have a blast. The pool had water, so we're good, right? So we, we t- uh, put our stuff in the room, and as we're putting our stuff in, there's some places where the wallpaper's peeling back, and I look back and there's like this mold stuff behind it. And my wife's like, um, and I said, don't, no, we're going to finish this. We started it. We paid good money. We're going to finish it. She's like, okay. We go in the bathroom. There's mold all around the shower. And I'm like, babe, we got to fight through this thing. She's like, okay, I'm with you. So we're like, just leave the stuff. Let's go have fun. So we went and got dinner in the city, did a couple fun things, came back to the hotel. I was like, here's the deal, babe. The kids don't need to be in the room right now. It's a little bit Gross, so I'll take them to the pool and let them swim until they're exhausted, and then you go up to the, to the bedroom, and you sort of get everything ready for showers and bedtime and all that kind of stuff. She's like, okay. So we're at the pool. Kids are having a blast, and we both sort of resolved in our soul. We're going to finish this. We started it. We're going to finish it. Then she pulled the sheets back to, to get ready for bed, and she sent me a picture on text of hair just everywhere underneath the sheets. And she just said, we're done. I looked at the picture. I was like, kids, let's go. We out. We rolling. We got our stuff, packed it up, went to the counter and and asked for a refund. Here's the funny thing. Didn't bat an eye. They're like, oh yeah, this happens all the time. Here's your money back. And we left. We're like, what what are you doing? So we we got to a point where it's like, this just got, this got too complicated. We're, We're done. I'm curious. Can you remember a time that you quit something? Think back in your life. Maybe it was in middle school, high school, you quit a sport or a club or a hobby. Maybe you quit a, a bad habit. Congratulations. Maybe, maybe you quit uh, some instrument. You used to play piano, and you quit that. Maybe of the last two or three years, you quit wearing normal clothes, and, and you just went to sweatpants for your Zoom call. We've all, we've all been there. Now flip it. Think about a time you finished something you wanted to quit. Think, think about that. Maybe, maybe it was school, and you got that diploma, you got that degree, you wanted to quit every day, and you fought through. Maybe you're in the fitness world, and you did a 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, and I know you're proud. You wanted to quit all the time in that thing. Every mile, you're like, this is stupid. I'm running from here to there for no good reason, and I know you're proud because you got that 26.2 sticker in the back of your car like you're better than me. How dare you? I've ran 26.2 miles, just not in one sitting. I've done it. See, what's something you wanted to quit, but you didn't? Maybe a big home project. 
You wanted to quit. I do every time I start a home project, I want to quit. And there's still remnants of home projects that I did quit at the house. But when you finish something that you want to quit, it's a great feeling. Now let's get honest. Over the last two or three years, maybe there's some things that you wanted to quit that you know you shouldn't, but you knew you wanted to. The weight and complexity the last two or three years, you considered quitting on a marriage, quitting on staying intentional in your parenting, quitting on your, your character, what God's building in you, or your fitness, or your, your, your spiritual journey. There are places you were tempted to quit, and in life there are things that are okay to quit, and there's things you should never quit. And with the complexity the last two or three years, let me just read a few things. You got digital learning if you got kids, lockdowns, work from home, gas prices through the roof, 401ks through the floor, inflation, supply chain issues. Should I go on? There are moments you're tempted to quit. And that brings us to our big question today. Simply this, how do I keep going? Isn't that a real question? Tell me you've not asked yourself that question. Like, if you are, you're one of those crazy people that ran a marathon, you have to answer that question about every mile and a half. How do I keep going? How do I keep going? Tell me you've not wrestled that question down somewhere in your life in the last two or three years. Oh, God, how do I keep going? And today we're going to be looking in James 1 as our starting point and then jumping over to 1 Kings 16 to 19 to sort of illustrate what James is, is talking about inside of this. And so here's what James says, James 1, verses 2 to 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What? Joy in trials. Okay. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it joy when you're in trials. The last two or three years, if that was true, we'd have parties everywhere. We got joy everywhere. We've been through some trials. So I want to expand the thought from just trials to something larger for us, to broaden it today, because what is a 50-plus year marriage if not trials? <laughs> Good times and then hard times, good times and hard times. What is raising a kid to be 18 and be a successful person who loves God and still wants to hang out with you other than trials, good times, trial, 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 good times, teenage years, trial, and then maybe back to good times. Like, what is it other than that? What, what, is, what is building a business or having a career with a legacy other than you're going through the ups and downs? And James is saying, listen, trials are good. Hard seasons are good. Because they build something in you. They grow you up. On the other side of hard seasons is the life you actually want. And what James is saying is, listen, we have to purge from our life the lie that life should always be easy. And some of you are like, I would never believe that. But you do. <laughs> Every time something feels hard, you go, something has to be wrong. And sometimes it is. But oftentimes, it's not, nothing's wrong. It's just how life works. And if you want a marriage of 50 plus years, if you want kids that grow up to love Jesus and still want to hang out with you at 30 years old, if you want a career or a business that has a legacy to it, if you want character that can withstand the test of time, you're going to have to learn how to keep going through hard seasons. See, that's our question. How do I keep going? And I want to talk about how to keep going when life gets hard today. 
And we're going to look at this through the life of the prophet Elijah. You see, this past fall, as a, or a spring, as a church, we were going through the Jesus Storybook Bible. As we were walking through the Old Testament as a church, I was walking through the life of the prophet Elijah personally in my time with God. And in that, God sort of revealed to me through the life of Elijah that this dude had some crazy awesome moments with God. Like mountaintops, life was awesome. And then he had some of the hardest seasons of anybody in all the Old Testament. Some difficult, hard trials he had to go through. And there was a pattern that I watched in his life that God helped me find myself inside of. And he helped to encourage me in how do I keep going? Because listen, the last two or three years were not lollipops and sprinkles for me either. It's a complicated season. And God helped me find myself in this pattern in the life of Elijah, of how he went through hard seasons. And, and today I think God wants to help grow all of us up. And so for the remainder of our time, I want to apply James's thoughts, the teaching of joy and trial, because it gives us perseverance and grows us up, but I want to do it and apply it through the life of Elijah. And there's a pattern in his life we're going to see play through multiple times. And I pray that God helps you find yourself in this pattern and invite you into something at the close. I've got high expectations for what God wants to do in many of our lives today. So here's the, here's the deal. Elijah, Old Testament prophet. If you were with us in the Jesus Turbot Bible series, you know a prophet's job is to tell, listen to God and tell the king what God says. And this is a, a season in the life of God's people where the king is not a good dude. In fact, here's what scripture says about the king Elijah is about to talk to, King Ahab. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. That's not what you want on your tombstone, right? This cat did more evil than anybody before him. Like the most evil dude on the planet. This is where Elijah gets assigned as a prophet. Really, God? Like you told me, you're going to be my prophet. I called you into it. This is supposed to be awesome. I'm a prophet. This is my situation. And it's worse because Ahab marries a chick named Jezebel. Anyone ever heard that name before, Jezebel? You ever heard the, 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 the phrase, you're a Jezebel homewrecker? That's where it comes from. His wife, bad pick. And they start to worship Baal as their God. Like this dude is bad. And so God sends Elijah to the king and says, here's what you're supposed to say. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, Elijah, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. He's saying, Ahab, you're a wicked king. You stop serving God. God's turning off the spigot. No rain. Did that make the king happy or sad? Sad. Beyond sad. Very mad. Elijah's the prophet. This is his big moment. It's Super Bowl time. Go do what you're called to do, Elijah. You're a prophet. He speaks his prophecy. And this is what happens the very next verse. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth ravine and east of the Jordan. I'm a prophet. It's Super Bowl Sunday. About to throw that touchdown pass to win the game. And then I got to run out the tunnel and go hide in the corner of the locker room somewhere. Like he, he went from like the best moment ever, it's time to step into my calling, to a very hard season. Isn't that how life feels sometimes? It's just working, it's clicking, life is going how you want it to, and then you hit a hard season. It happens to all of us. And the pattern starts to continue. I'll, I'll show you what that is in a second. So verses five and six. So Elijah did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. See, when Elijah hit a hard season, God saw him. 
and God provided for him. He gave him his very own river to drink from. He brought him his own DoorDash through these birds that dropped him off meat and bread in the morning and meat and bread at night. Like, this is good days, grubhubbing it all the way in the Kareth Ravine. See, God gave Elijah a place to pull away rest and regain his strength in a hard season. And then the pattern finishes right here when God sends Elijah back. 1 Kings 18, 1 to 2, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. He gave him rest, regained his strength and sent him back. You see, here's the pattern. You're living life. Life gets hard. You want to quit. God gives you space to rest and restore your strength, and that God sends you right back to what he called you to in the first place. This is the pattern of life. And if you've ever experienced it and felt alone, you're in good company. See, listen, I, I got to pause to connect some dots for all of us. This pattern is inescapable for all of us. How do you do marriage for decades? You walk this pattern. So you go on the honeymoon. This is just going to be so great always. You lovey-dovey. No, you. You go first. Then you hit your first fight. And you go, who is this woman? I've never, what came out of her? I've never seen this in her before. She still has her makeup on from the wedding. And I'm like, who are you? What happened? And you go, I, I don't know how to keep going in this. And you pull back. You get rest and say, God, would you strengthen me? And then you go back to the same marriage. And you fight for it for another pattern and another pattern. How do you build, raise godly kids? You run this pattern. Life gets hard. You want to quit. You pull away. God restores your strength and you go back. Elijah, life is good. Life gets hard. I have to pull away, rest, grab a nap and some food and then get back to it. That's how you build a life, a career, a business, your character, your fitness, your emotional health, your mental health. You sit in this cycle and listen, when God, when Elijah went through a hard season, listen, God didn't give Elijah an easier assignment. He gave Elijah strength for the assignment. And many of us pray, God, would you make what's in front of me just easier? And God, maybe. Maybe God brought you here today to say, listen, I'm not going to make what you're going through easier, but I'm going to give you strength to do it. See, Elijah was re-strengthened re, uh, by God in the rest, and now he goes back to the calling. When a hard season in life makes you tired, can I tell you what God says? Take a nap, get you a steak, get a good meal. Maybe you actually door dash something to yourself and you go, listen, it's amazing what a good night's sleep and a good meal will do for your soul and your strength. Amen. It's amazing. Sometimes it's the simple things. Sometimes you, you break down in this pattern because you don't do the simple things. And maybe God brought you here today. Say, listen, you need to rest. You're going through a hard season. And if you keep cycling without rest, you're going to break down. You got a couple weeks left to summer church. You can still carve out places for rest. Elijah, God knew what he needed. He needed to pull away, lay down, take a nap, have a good meal, so he could get the strength to go back to what God called him to. But the pattern continues one more time. And we look in 1 Kings 18, and I wish I had time to teach this whole story, but I have to give you the cliff notes. If you want one of my favorite stories of Scripture, 1 Kings 18, hands down. 
other than the actual physical resurrection of Jesus, if I could pick a moment in history to go rewatch 1 Kings 18. See, God sends Elijah back to the same king in the same area, the same place, not a new calling, but strengthened for the original calling. And he goes back, and the king is even more wicked than he was before. Baal is his God. Things are bad days. And what happens is Elijah says to the king, you and I are going to square off. Our gods are going to battle this thing out. And they go to the top of Mount Carmel, and they go, listen, we're both going to build altars. We're both going to pray to our gods, and we're going to see whose God really has the power. So for three hours in the morning, the prophets of Baal are up there dancing around, cutting themselves, screaming out, oh, would you send fire? Would you send fire? And nothing happens. And here's what I love. Elijah was such a punk. He starts spitting game while they're doing it. He's like, what? Is your God sleeping? That's interesting. If you actually go into the Hebrew, what he's saying in one of the parts is he goes, what? Is your God in the bathroom? Is he using the toilet? I'm like, oh, he's got fire, Elijah. I love it. He's spitting game, just making fun of him. And when they exhaust themselves, Elijah goes, hey, on my altar, pour some water on it. Let's make this a challenge. This is too easy for my God. And then he looks up to heaven and goes, God, would you send fire? And just, boom, the altar erupts in fire. It's, this is like, if you're a prophet, this is your moment. You're like, see, God, this is how it's supposed to be. I speak and fire falls. This is why I'm here. This is awesome. And then Elijah grabs his sword and starts wiping out the prophets of Baal, like from prophet to warrior in a second, wiping all these evil people off the planet. Then he gets to pray and say, God, would you send rain? Turn the spigot back on. And it starts to rain for the first time in years. This is, in Elijah's mind, Mount Carmel is what it's supposed to be like. And in life, have you ever had those moments where it's like you're beyond yourself? Like what's happening? You're like, this is even better than I could ever do. Like your, your marriage just works. You're like, hey, honey, I love you. She's like, Jay, I don't want to tell you. I'm so blessed that you're my husband. And I just want to, I'm like, this is supposed to be what marriage is. <laughs> or like you're dealing with your kids. You're like, hey, guys, um, I, you were just really mean to your sister. And then he's like, you know what, dad? No, it's more like this. Papa, um, <laughs> I, would like, I would like to own my own selfishness. And I really, can I go make amends with my siblings and make it right? And I'm like, this is what parenting's supposed to be like. You're in business and your phone just rings. Business deals dropping in your lap. You're like, this is what life is supposed to be like. And that's the moment for Elijah. <clears throat> here's, uh, here's the next verse. Here's what he does. He goes back to the city and the king tells his wife Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life again. From the mountaintop to the valley in one verse. From Papa, I'm so sorry for the grievances I've committed to. Stop, Dad, that's so lame. In a second. From my wife, just everything working to like we're in a hard season again. In a second, Elijah's like, God, an hour ago, <laughs> everything was awesome. This is what I signed up for when I said I'll be a prophet. Fire from heaven. I'm sending rain. Everything working. And then in a minute, a second, one verse, everything gets complicated. And the pattern has just started again. Let's watch it. 1 Kings 19, 3 to 4. So he ran for his life, and when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. 
He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Elijah is exhausted, and he's ready to quit. Listen, I've had enough, Lord. You ever said that to God? God, I've had enough. Take it. uh, Take my life. I'm just done. Elijah is exhausted. The pattern's happening again. He hit a hard season, which exhausted him, and he now again wants to quit. And this is a cycle that everybody finds themselves in. And if you're honest, you've watched a lot of people, what they do when they get here. And you've got friends that have hit this season, and they're no longer married. You've got friends that have hit this season, and they've deeply hurt their relationship with their kids because they just suddenly pulled back from parenting. You've watched people hit this and they walk away from an educational journey or a promising career or they crash their character. You get here and you say, God, I'm done. I can't keep going. And the story of Elijah, Elijah is not over. He's in the moment where he's like, I'm done. And the cycle continues. This is going to sound very familiar again. Here's what happens in verse 5. Then Elijah lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him. And said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Have you ever had a two nap day before? That's a good day. When you get like a morning nap because you're like getting a little tired and then a second afternoon nap, like God's like, listen, Elijah, this time you're real tired. Let's double the nap, double the meal. Amen. Praise God. May it be so every day. I have kids, so I don't know what that's like anymore, but someday it's going to be awesome, the two-nap day. So Elijah's exhausted, double sleep, he's tired again. When you're tired, what do you need? A nap, a good meal, a weekend away, a quick vacation, rest when you're tired. That's what he needed, but this time was very different for Elijah. The first time he was tired, God strengthened him with some sleep a meal, and then sent him back to his calling. This time, he gives him the sleep, gives him the meal, but doesn't send him back yet. Why? Because this time, Elijah was not just tired. He was empty. Listen, you and I have to know the difference between tired and empty. The first time, Elijah was tired, and a nap solved it. The second time, the nap and the food times two did not solve it because tired is not what was broke. See, tired is what you feel after a hard day of work, and that's a good thing. Listen, if you never feel tired after working, you probably need to reevaluate your work. If you're not tired after you do a workout, you need to get a trainer because you're not really working out, right? Some of y'all single dudes are in there like, I'm not working out. I'm just checking out the, the merchandise. What's going? No, that's not working out. You're creepy. Stop. A little PSA from your church family. Stop, it's creepy. <clears throat> See, tired is the healthy response to exerting effort into something meaningful. Tired is a healthy response. And what do you do when you're tired? Get a good night's sleep, get a nap, get a meal, and get back to it. But empty is a different beast. See, empty is not tired, it's a different animal. Empty is having nothing left to give. Empty is like when your car's empty on gas. It doesn't matter what you do, it's not starting, right? It's empty. Empty's a soul-level issue, and you don't solve soul-level issues with sleep and meals. See, God strengthened Elijah through the sleep and the meal, but he did so to give him 
energy to take a journey. And here's where Elijah goes. You have to watch. This pattern is different this time, and it's profound. Elijah, 1 Kings 19, 8 and 9. Strengthened by that food, Elijah traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. What was he doing? He was going to Horeb. And if you understand the Old Testament history, what happened on Horeb was profound. This is the mountaintop where God made a covenant with Israel. Where God said, I'm starting this, this relationship with you. You're now my people. This is the mountaintop where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. This was not just a random mountain. This was known as the mountain of God. Elijah was going back to the place where the presence of God has been before because he needed the presence of God to show up again. He was going back to his roots. He was saying, God, it's different this time. Something in here is different. I don't just need a nap. I need your presence. See, Elijah needed something more, and this is the conversation he had with God. And the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah. God said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. What's Elijah saying? He's like, God, why am I here? Because everybody around me is the worst. They've abandoned you. I'm the only one. They're all terrible. I'm the only one even left here, God. It's just me and you against the world. I'm alone. They're terrible. Look what you've brought me to, God. See, here's when you know you're empty. Here's a clue. When you're empty, you start to get pessimistic about the people around you, and you start to exaggerate your self-importance. Always. Listen, when you start to get empty, you look at your spouse and you're like, she ain't doing nothing. You look at your kids and go, they are just terrible. They're ornery and terrible. They get that from their father. What are they? This is not from my side of the family. <laughs> you look at your boss and go, man, he just more bricks, less straw. What a jerk. Your coworkers, I'm by myself. No one's putting in the time that I'm putting in. In fact, this whole company would fall apart if it wasn't for me. This family wouldn't eat. If I didn't make dinner tonight, it's all on me. When you get empty, you start to look at people with pessimism, and you look at yourself as so important. Elijah is empty, and he's blinded to the reality that's going on around him. And you can start to tell that you're empty when you're pessimistic about the people around you, and you start to exaggerate how important you are, which exhausts you and empties you more, and you're now in the death spiral. It's all on me. There's no one else out there, which makes you more tired, which makes you more self-aggrandizing and pessimistic about people. And this is where Elijah finds himself. And this is one of the most beautiful encounters with God that you'll read in Scripture. Verse 11. Here's how this moment plays out. The Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountaintops apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Listen, think about Elijah's life to this point. He had seen God stop the rain. What kind of power does God have to stop the rain? He's seen God send fire from heaven to erupt an altar and just show off and show out for the world to see power. Then he watched God turn the rain back on, just, all right, it's back. Then he sees the wind and the earthquake and the fire, and God's not in any of that. He's in the whisper. You see, I believe that in this moment, Elijah didn't need to be reminded that God is powerful. He needed to be reminded that God was present, that God was near. He had seen all the trappings of God's power, all the things God could do. But in this moment, he needed his father in heaven in the cave to whisper, Elijah, I'm here. He needed God to be close enough so he could hear him through a whisper. How close do you have to be to hear someone with a whisper? You can't hear that from a six-foot social distancing. It's close. And that's what Elijah needed in this moment. And interestingly, Scripture doesn't even tell us what God says. Don't know what he says. He could have told him a joke for all I know. Probably not. But we don't know what he says. But that's not what Elijah needed. He didn't need another word from God. He needed the presence of God. See, when you're empty, you need the whisper. That's what Elijah needed in this moment. And the longer you live, the more deeply you need God to draw near. God, I'm done. I can't keep, how do I keep going? I can't keep going, God. I need you near. See, when you're empty, you don't just need more of God's power. You need more of his presence. And God completes the cycle, and I don't have time to teach this section, but he completes the cycle by saying, now, Elijah, go back. You've been refilled in my presence. Your strength has been restored and refilled in my presence. Now go back to the same calling I called you to in the first place. But this time, you're going back refilled and with reinforcements. Remember, Elijah thought, I'm the only one. And God tells him, by the way, there's 7,000 people waiting for you that are still following me in Israel. Like, Elijah, your emptiness blinded you to the reality that you're off by a factor of 7,000. Not only are you not the only one, there's a, like a mega church of people waiting for you back there, dude. And he sent him back refilled and with reinforcements. And Elijah completed the pattern one more time. Life got hard. He pulled away. God restored his strength and sent him back to the calling. Now listen, you and I are not Old Testament prophets like Elijah. But you have been called and created by God to do something of great value and meaning. And if you're married... God's called you to be a selfless, loving spouse. That is as much of your calling as Elijah's calling was to be a prophet. If you have kids, God's called you to raise those kids intentionally, daily in the grind of what it means to parent. That is a calling given by God. If God's given you any spiritual gifts, abilities, passion, skill. God's called you to use them in the workplace or your educational journey. God's called you to those things. And listen, you're going to go through hard seasons. 
Life is not always easy. Welcome to the club. You're gonna hit moments like Elijah did and you're gonna be tempted to quit and maybe God brought you here today simply for this, to say, listen, don't quit. Keep going. So here's the encouragement James gives as he's wrapping up his thoughts about trials. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. James is saying, listen, keep going. It's all going to be worth it. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep going in the things God's called you to. So we end with the question we started with, how do I keep going? And I answer that question differently depending on which one of the groups you're in, tired or empty. Let me just get real practical. If you're in a season of tired, you're Elijah the first time around. Hit a snag, things got tough, ran out into the desert, and God just carved out a place for him to get rest. Listen, if you're tired, how do you keep going when you're tired? Get rest. It's potentially one of the most spiritually impactful things you can do. Listen, where are you cheating rest? See, when you cheat rest, you're cheating yourself, your marriage, your family, your friends, your schooling, your career, your character, your soul. When you cheat rest, you're cheating the way God designed you. And if you're wired like me, like I'm, I'm like a workaholic leaning. That's what I, I, I could just power through and get through. I don't need rest. That's my leaning. So you might need permission. What did God do on the seventh day of creation? Rested. Did he need to rest because he was tired? No, he rested to demonstrate what we're called to do. Rest. And he called it holy. So next time you're on the, on the couch, your wife's like, get up and help. I'm doing something holy. I'm just, <laughs> let me, hold on. I'm, you probably shouldn't do that, but it's, it's super funny. <laughs> you see, you have to carve out space to rest because it's how you admit that you're human and not God yourself. Rest is an act of worship. You're declaring, God, you are in control. And while I rest, you're still working on my behalf. I can lay aside the things that are begging to be accomplished because I trust you. See, when I, when I say rest, I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking about sacred rest. Some of y'all are like, well, I took a vacation. Well, you day drank on the lake all day and watched Netflix till two in the morning. You're still tired. That's not rest. That's escape. I'm saying sacred rest where you slow down, you downshift, you intentionally put aside the things you're trying to accomplish and say, God, I rest and trust you that you will restore my strength. And some of you are a nap and a meal away from getting back to the calling God's put on your life. And I know it sounds cheap. Oh, a nap and a steak. It's amazing what a good night's sleep will do for your soul. Gives you perspective. And you've got a couple weeks left in summer. And I would just tell you this. Don't cheat rest. You don't have to go to the beach and spend five grand. It can simply be this. I'm leaving my phone and my computer in my bag the rest of the night. And I'm just going to be present with my family and rest. It could be an, a nap on a Saturday afternoon where you go, God, I'm just, I feel weary. I need rest. Fight for that. But there's a second group. How do you keep going when you're empty? It's a different beast altogether. So you might be in a season where 
You're not just tired, you're empty. And you don't know how to answer the question, how do I keep going? You look around, you go, I don't know how I'm going to do another day in this, week in this, month in this, year in this, let alone decades in this. I don't know how to keep going. Maybe it's something in your marriage and you've hit a season and you're like, I've poured out everything I can and I'm empty and I don't know how I'm going to keep going. Something in your parenting journey, man, one of your kids is in a season where you go, I've poured everything I have out. I don't know how to keep going. I just want to give up. Something in your character, your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health. See, the psalmist describes it this way. Maybe this is an appropriate description for you. You, God, are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. That might be what your life feels like right now. Like, I don't see any water. I'm in a desert. I don't see how I'm going to go on. Listen, how do you keep going when you're empty? You seek God's refilling. If you're empty, you need what Elijah needed. You need a moment for God to refill you. And Elijah sought after God 40 days into the wilderness, climbed the mountain, slept in the cave, and then brought his emptiness before God. God, I'm going to be honest. I feel like I'm all alone. There's no one around me. Everyone's terrible. I'm carrying the weight of the world. I'm laying my emptiness before you. And then he said, I'm waiting for you to refill me. God, I need your refilling because I don't know how to keep going in this. And here's the good news. For Elijah, it was 40 days, a mountain climb, and a sleep in the cave to get to the presence of God. We live in a time after Jesus where he gave us the Holy Spirit and God is here and now. And maybe God brought you here today because he wants to give you a fresh touch, a fresh whisper, a refilling in the places that you're empty. Jesus' offer still stands. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I, Jesus, will give you rest. See, for most of us, might just be a nap and a meal and you just need to honor God's pattern and say, I need to rest. For some of you, you might be empty. And as I was praying for, for you, I love this church, I pray for this church, I pray for you often. As I was praying about this moment, I just sensed that the Spirit of God just whispered, Jason, if you guys will pray boldly, I will fill people who are empty like I did Elijah in the cave. It wasn't audible, but it was a deep sense that that was the whisper and the prompt of God that, listen, if you guys would pray boldly, I will fill empty people. And that might be you. And you might have been, God might have brought you here for this. Listen, don't take lightly what God can do in one moment. For Elijah, it was just a whisper. Refilled back to his calling. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. I can't prescribe it for you or to you. I just know what happens when you're on empty and God draws near enough to refill you. He can change you before you get to your car today. He can take situations that feel empty and hopeless and refill you and strengthen you and send you back to the very same house, the very same marriage, the very same kids, same job, same circumstances, but you are different because he refilled you. And you might be in a place where you're like, God, I've poured out everything I can and I'm empty in my marriage. 
God, would you refill me and help me keep going? You might say to God, God, I'm in parenting and I don't know how to keep going. I've hit a season with my kid. I don't know what else to do or say. I have nothing left to give. Perfect. He can refill you and you have all of him to give. Something in your character where you're like, you're so tempted to quit. Something God's trying to form in you. And you're like, I'm just going to bail. And you're like, God, I'm empty. I have nothing left to give. Will you refill me? I don't know what it is. But I believe, listen, God might have brought you here for this moment. And he might fill you before you leave. So here and across the camps is the pastors are about to step up. And they know what's coming. They're ready for this moment. They've been praying for you as well. And we're going to have a moment where we just pray boldly like God invited us to. And we're going to ask that God would do the same thing for hundreds, if not thousands of you, that he did for Elijah in the cave. And this might be a day you look back on in a decade and say, I was so ready to quit. God refilled me. I had a fresh touch from God Almighty, and he refilled me, and I'm still in this marriage. I'm still in this parenting. I'm still in this character journey. Thank you, God, for what you did all those years ago. So here's what I'm going to invite people to do here and across the campuses. We don't do this often. But if you're in that camp of empty, doesn't mean your whole life's on fire and everything's falling apart, but it means if you're honest, there's places where you go, God, I don't know how to keep going in this. You don't have to even tell us what it is, but if that's you, I want to invite you across here, the campuses, maybe even 12 Stone Home if you're comfortable. If that's you and you want this prayer offered over you, would you begin to stand across the campuses here at Sugarloaf across camp. That's you. Numbers of you here. Listen, this is not a place to be ashamed. This is family. This is what we do for each other. Just begin to stand. And by standing, you're saying, God, I'm, I'm asking you boldly, would you freshly fill me again? Would you refill the places that are empty? I want a fresh touch from you, God. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.